Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. Hey everybody, this is Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. And today, we're in this episode, we're going to go over Game Changer Wrestling, GCW's Homecoming Part 1, or Night 1, as some people were calling it, but it was officially called Part 1. It was July 24th, on Saturday... In Atlantic City, and it ran probably about three and a half hours in total. I encouraged you guys to get involved with this. I encouraged the last, I think, two or three GCW events leading up to this, and then I definitely encouraged you to watch this. Now, Yes, I encourage you to buy it by Fight TV. Some of you wrote me that you uh, didn't buy it, but saw it. I don't want to talk about that, okay? And there's some of you out there going, Sam, it's July 30th, 31st, for some of you who listen to this. Why? are we discussing this? This is this is old news. Well, number one, it's not old news. Because GCW is building wrestlers, they're building storylines, and they're doing a lot of different things that I suggest a lot of you continue watching. I'm not one that really likes to do a update right after I see it. Will I do them? Yes. Uh, do I really like to do them? Uh, not really. A lot of times uh, I will go on rocket.com or you'll see it on my social media when I send it out. Doing live updates during the event. They're on racket. They can be no longer than nine minutes long. So you're getting basically my snapshot in the moment of what I think. Sometimes that's right. Sometimes that's wrong. Sometimes I've forgotten what has happened in the past. And by going through Media Scrum 
or reading other people or listening to other people, they pick up different things. And then sometimes I just need time to process. And a lot of that is what happened in GCW's Homecoming, both part one and part two. I needed time to actually process what was going on because so many of the matches had good match-ups. And I knew that night one was going to be so big for the last match, the main event, that if I put out an episode about night one, and I started talking about Marco Stunt versus Starboy Charlie, you guys would be like, what? I want to hear about the main event. Because so many people didn't watch it. Now, a lot of people have caught highlights. A lot of people have found illegal streams and all of that. And they have watched it. Well, I still believe there's matches on that card that were unbelievable that people haven't seen. They haven't heard about. And so, I didn't want to put an episode out on Sunday or Monday that would just get lost in the shuffle. I don't know. Maybe that's me being selfish. Maybe that's me being my truly cocky self, believing that you need to be listening to me. But I also feel for the benefit of GCW, for the benefit of some of these wrestlers, you need to hear about more than the main event. And so that's what we're going to start off talking. Let's start talking what GCW Night 1 Homecoming meant to a lot of these wrestlers just because of who they were taking on or because it was a accumulation of a storyline. So you got to see first match up right off the bat. Marco Stunt started in GCW. I think a lot of us forget that he's 23 years old. He was discovered there by a lot of different people surrounding AEW. But he wasn't, I didn't feel, used correctly. They immediately stuck him in a faction with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, and it was almost as if he became a mascot. It didn't help that he got some lingering injuries and then actually a injury that put him on the shelf, and so then he pretty much did become a mascot. So... With this match, we got to see the return of Marco Stunt. He took on, like I said, Starboy Charlie. And Starboy Charlie is 18 years old. He started wrestling with GCW last year at 17. And he's very slowly 
made a name for himself as a technical wrestler and as someone that the crowd can get behind babyface-wise. But here's the thing. Marco Stump really isn't a heel in this match. And so a lot of people wondered what was going to happen with this match. Well, what did happen was just two outstanding technical wrestlers. Starboy Charlie is only, I'm guessing, five, six inches, maybe, taller than Marco Stunt. And they worked well together. The crowd started out on fire. They were ready for homecoming. And you could see it. GCW was back in Atlantic City, which is one of their their home areas. And people were excited to be there, to be there with that mass. Uh, there was probably 800 to 1,000 people crammed in this. They were calling it a ballroom. Looked like double the size of a conference room with a ring in the middle, and there were four openings that I saw. There probably were six, but there were four openings that I saw where two of which wrestlers could go through, one of which uh, seemed like the announcers, the uh, people doing the sound and everything went through, and then there was one on the far side where we saw Matt Cardona go out through after his match. So I know of four. Like I said, I think there was probably six. And this was a record-setting crowd. It was the largest crowd since 2019 for GCW due to the pandemic. And both of these young guys just truly fed off the crowd, especially Marco Stunt, and went wild. They went after each other. Marco looked good since his injury, and Starboy Charlie looked good, tying him up into different knots. Like I said, he is an unbelievable technical wrestler. I loved that Marco Stunt, he's gotten a pump kick. I've never seen him do a pump kick, and... It was technically sound, but it really looked real. Now, was he being stiff? I don't know. Didn't appear to be, but only Starboy Charlie can probably tell us that. Now, Marco did get the win in his comeback, but I felt both really looked good. They announced after the match both would be back for part two the very next day on Sunday. And Starboy Charlie, well, he's getting the match of his life so far. Because on Sunday, he's going to take on Jonathan Gresham. And I was really impressed that Jonathan Gresham agreed to that. Not because I don't think Jonathan Gresham's a great guy. Because he is. He's outstanding. He's out to make new talent. It's just that I couldn't believe. I'm sure he had his choice 
of all kinds of different matches. And for him to agree with Starboy Charlie, pretty unreal. And I'm looking forward to that match tomorrow. Then we get Tony Deppin. Yes, the Tony Deppin. The one you see on Ring of Honor all the time. Taking on Ninja Mike. And I was just like, oh my, this, this is wild. Um, I couldn't believe they started off with these two matches. Crowd again on fire. GCW crowd, of course, Tony Deppin is a veteran. Everybody loves him. He is probably one of the best technical wrestlers around. I love him in Ring of Honor. He's one of the few reasons I watch Ring of Honor and kind of put up with it. But Ninja Mike has quickly became a favorite of mine this year and a favorite of GCW's crowd. When his music hits, the GCW crowd immediately starts singing. Immediately. And there is some discrepancy on whether Ninja Mike is going to continue to wear his mask or not. Always before um, WrestleMania week down in Tampa, when you saw uh, GCW The Collective, there were some matches Ninja Mike wrestled without a mask. There were some that he wrestled with a mask. I thought it was due to heat. But through talking to some other GCW fans, no, it's kind of how he feels that night. Well, at homecoming, they revealed that he is wrestling without his mask as kamikaze. And when he wears his mask, then he is wrestling as Ninja Mike. So tonight, he was definitely Ninja Mike, and his flips that he did were unbelievable. Now, I'm not talking flips off the top rope that some of the older guys call the flippity flops, where they do the high spots. Does Ninja Mike do those? Yes, yes, he does. But... His flips also are done from the ring or the ground, and they actually have a purpose as far as Tony Deppin running the ropes. And instead of leapfrogging Tony Deppin, he will flip, use his back, and slide off his black to land almost in the middle of the ring in order to do a offensive maneuver before Tony Deppin can hit the other ropes. He does a flip where he flips, hits the ropes to change his direction, does another flip, and will do a spinning kick out of it. So that's what I'm talking about with Ninja Mike. He uses them as part of his offensive arsenal. He also sometimes 
uses um defensively. Tony Depp in, in the first part of this match acted like he really didn't know what to do with this. Now, I'm sure he's seen other guys do things like this. I don't know that he had saw anything like Ninja Mike other than on TV while scouting Ninja Mike. The wide variety of different flips that, like I said, are brought in offensively. Now, this was a back and forth. Tony Deppin would get a hold of Ninja Mike and put him either in a submission move or would catch him coming out of a flip and turn it into a power slam move. And Ninja Mike, at first, seemed like he easily could get a hold and get out of uh, Tony Deppin's submission moves. He wasn't transitioning into a counter submission move. It was just him escaping. He got more and more tired as it went on. And Ninja Mike actually tried to do a Phoenix 6-3. They slow-moded after the match. Whew. That. Just unbelievable. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. It it looked unbelievable. However, Tony Deppin countered it while he was in the air. He rolled out of the way, countered it with a knee, and then got and tried to do a submission move. Tony Deppin ended up winning this match, as he should. He is a veteran. He is the television champion for... Ring of Honor, and Ninja Mike is still climbing his ladder. One day, I definitely want to see a rematch between these two styles, though. Then, you get Nolan Edward. No S, guys. None. Saw so many of you writing on Reddit and Twitter, putting an S on there. No, no, no. Little no... Well, he's not little. Young. Nolan Edward does not have an S on his name. And he took on A.J. Gray. Can I tell you, A.J. Gray look like a beast. I mean a beast. Crowd, again, got into his entrance music. He... Gets fired up by his interest music. And I think that may be one of the things that I truly enjoy about GCW. These guys wrestle as much as they can. Four, five, six times a week. They hear the same music. And... A lot of people say, oh, it's an act. Well, I think, I I almost dare you to go watch A.J. Gray come out to his music. To watch Nick Gage come out to his music. To watch Effie even come out to Tiny Dancer. Um, and not see them be lit on fire. It's kind of like Chris Jericho 
with Judas. I don't see how you can pick a song choice that really resonates with you and not get pumped. If you're not getting pumped up by your music or your music doesn't mean something, then you probably should change it. And I'm not saying that sarcastically or poking fun at people. But I seriously believe that. That's what music is for. When you see a basketball team come out to music, it should be music that they have a meaning with. They have a feeling of that either pumps them up or reminds them of something. You're playing it for a specific reason. And I think a lot of the wrestlers in GCW and on the independents do that. Whereas I think some in AEW, whether it be Impact, whether it be WWE, whether it be MLW, I think a lot of them pick music that's either popular or that the promotion gives to them or that even, you know, is just handed to them by somebody. It doesn't have a meaning to that wrestler. It doesn't have some kind of feeling that they want the crowd to express or that they want to get fired up to. And I'm going to use a for instance. I absolutely love this music. When you're in person, the first couple notes of it hit, you know exactly who is coming out. You exactly know the routine he is going to do. Um, he does the same exact routine. He's been doing it probably at least five years. And that's Finn Balor. He is one of my favorites. You've heard me talk on different episodes of following him since he was Prince Devitt and he started the Bullet Club in New Japan. No, he did not have this music. But now, after hearing it four or five years, and after watching him perform the same exact routine and so many fans can do it so many other wrestlers can do it I really wish that when they brought him up to WWE he would have gotten different music I hope that there will be a change in his character after what happened tonight on Smackdown and no I'm not really going to spoil that for you because I know some of you haven't watched it yet but after what happened tonight on SmackDown, Friday, um, the July 30th, I truly hope that they change him up a little bit. I know he can't go back to his New Japan music, but I wish Finn would get with them and choose a different piece of music that gets him fired up in a different way 
not in a presentation type way, but just truly gets Finn Balor, the wrestler, the man, fired up and ready to go knock somebody's head off, even though he's a babyface. So AJ Gray has that. You see him as he's coming through the crowd with the fans, and they are pumping each other up. As he gets in the ring and they're announced, and I could not believe these two. Now, I don't know if they had worked it out in the back beforehand. I don't know whether they're friends. I don't know anything about these two wrestling each other. But, ooh, they looked stiff. Um, It was hard hitting. They stood toe-to-toe, throwing chops, throwing elbows. And you could tell they were truly hitting each other. Nolan Edwards' chest was not only blood red after two chops, but after this standing, going back and forth and going back and forth, he actually had what appeared to be welts from A.J. Gray's hands. Um, the chops, there was one point uh, they slow-moed it after the match where you could see Nolan Edward hit A.J. Gray in the face and the indention that his elbow made. I mean, unreal. They continued with the pyre stuff. Um, they went outside of the ring a little, not a whole lot, but the power moves yet turned into a finesse. Running off the rope, hitting someone with a shoulder tackle or popping them with a chop and then countering into a roll-up. And these guys, I think, proved how powerful they were, how much they could take uh, powerful moves. And they really told a story that I wasn't expecting. I've seen Nolan Edward now in Bloodsport and Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. I believe he's been in 4, 5, and 6. Or he's been in 4 and 5. I can't remember 100% if he was in 6. But he can take a hurt and, and keep on going. AJ Gray was willing to give him that. He ended up winning the match. But I'll tell you what. I would like to see these two go at it in about two years. Let Nolan Edward learn some stuff, mature a little bit, and this is going to be a showcase somewhere for some promotion. I kind of hope it's for GCW, but I know they don't make enough money there that they need to move to a bigger promotion. Then the match that... Yeah, I guess I can say it. I was kind of going through my head the other matches on this card for this night. And yeah, I can pretty much say 
this match was my least favorite. It seemed like it could have been the most fun for the wrestlers and maybe even the crowd. However, number one, I did not know Grim Reefer. Not Reaper, like the dead man. Grim Reefer, as in marijuana pot smoking. Took one, too cold, Scorpio. I think several months ago I told you guys I had no clue who too cold Scorpio was. I saw his name actually on a um, placard that uh, was set out for the card. And I thought, is Scorpio Sky going under a different name? No, it's a completely different guy. Too Cold Scorpio is an older gentleman, much like Grim Reefer. They've been around the indie circuit for years. They're very well known. Too Cold Scorpio loves to dance. So when his music hits, you can definitely tell he's high or he's drunk. Not 100% sure. He's feeling good anyway. And his music really gets the crowd going. They want to dance with him. He is more than happy to oblige. Um, this became a comedy match almost. As far as Too Cold Scorpio getting in the ring, trying to get Grim Reefer to dance and him not wanting to match starting and them running the ropes and Grim Reefer getting the best of Too Cold Scorpio enough where Too Cold is on the ground excuse me on the mat and Grim Reefer pulls out a joint which he has a buddy of his hand him a light and he proceeds to light it smoke it and as Too Cold Scorpio gets up ready to do an offensive maneuver, Grim Reefer hands it to him. They proceed to get high together, dance, do different moves. Grim Reefer tries to take advantage of Two Cold Scorpio and obviously Two Cold Scorpio wasn't as high as what Grim Reefer thought he was because he actually tricked him and got the pin. Now, if you guys would have heard me Saturday night after this, or even Sunday sometime, you probably would have heard me gripe about this. For the simple fact, I'm not real big into matches like this. I, it almost has to be a special kind of comedy match for me to get into it. I'm not even one that particularly cares for our truth playing around in the ring. He wants to do a vignette backstage of, um, who is it? 
little Johnny or something like that, uh, being invisible, you know, I'll watch that all day. I don't care. But when you get in the ring, yeah, I don't want to see little Johnny or who, whatever his name is, the invisible kid. I don't, I don't want to see him in the ring. So it takes a special, uh, I guess, group of wrestlers and a special skit for me to get into the comedy act. But, you know, looking at it almost a week later, I can see they really had to have this. And they weren't like some of the other promotions and just stick a women's match in here. GCW respects their women who wrestle on their cards way too much to do that. So instead, they stuck a comedy match. The three matches that opened the show were exciting. There were things at stake as far as pride, as far as climbing up the ladder. Uh, We got to see a flip match against the submission artist. We got to see a powerful match. We got to see a comeback, a homecoming of sorts, of Marco Stunt versus Starboy Charlie, and see them actually wrestle. The crowd was almost reaching probably a nine. And had they put on the next match, it could have overflowed, turned into complete chaos. Um, I think the crowd... They weren't ready to riot, but I just think it would have overwhelmed them. So this was great booking by Brett Lauderdale or Joey Janela or Nick Gage or whoever booked this match or whatever committee booked this match. Because you had three hot matches and then you used this comedy match to chill people out. When you watch this match on replay, you can see there are some fans headed over to the concession stand to get a Coke, to get a water. There's some even actually leaving the ballroom and going out into the concourse to buy merch or to talk to the wrestlers that are standing at their table. Or the wrestlers that are filling in at their table. So, uh, it's kind of like, uh, uh, I always mess her first name up, but, uh, Panopoli Ford had Kip Saban at her table. And anytime that they showed the tables around him, they had fans that were wanting to talk to him. Marco Stunt was minding his own table so you could walk up and talk to him. So I think a lot of fans took advantage to chill out because the very next match was Drew Parker versus Alex Cologne. Now, if you are like me, I saw that and I thought, Drew Parker, Drew Parker. 
Drew Parker. Have I heard that name? Who is that? Drew Parker, Drew Parker. And before watching the show, didn't look him up. Should have. Didn't. Actually, I'm thinking about doing an article on him for everybody who misses the show that needs to know who Drew Parker is. Um, Drew Parker is from England. He's from Wales. Uh, he's 23 years old, and he has been doing death matches now for about two and a half years, I think is what they said, three years. He's traveled the world, and Friday night, which would have been July 23rd, he was actually in Japan and won their ultimate ultra-violent deathmatch title. It is supposed to be basically the deathmatch title in Japan and one of them in the whole entire world. Only three Americans, or I shouldn't say Americans, he's not American, but three outside of Japan have actually won it. Abdullah the Butcher being one. Um, and Drew Parker did win it on Friday night, July 23rd. They said... He was actually still bleeding. He had a towel on his head. And they were bandaging up some of his wounds after he had cleaned them out and changed. As he got on the plane, he took a red eye to Atlantic City and had arrived about an hour to an hour and a half before this match. So he had flew. 20 hours I think is what they said. And. Arrived. In order to take on. Alex Cologne. I know some of you were introduced. To Alex Cologne. At Tournament of Survival 666. He was the. Third. Straight. Uh, winner of that tournament. Never been done. He is in GCW considered basically the deathmatch king. I know they call Nick Gage that. But Cologne is a special kind of cat with a really sadistic streak. So once they explained to me who Drew Parker was... And that he was coming from Japan with that particular belt in order to take on Alex Cologne and try to get Alex Cologne's deathmatch belt. I was all about this match. Now, here's the thing. I know so many of you are against death matches. Some of you, I don't know, truly understand what a death match is. If you watch 
this match, Drew Parker versus Alex Cologne, you will actually see what a death match is as far as both of them going after it. I don't consider what John Moxley and Kenny Omega did on AEW truly a death match. I'm going to be real honest with you. Yes, um, Chris Jericho fought Nick Gage in his second labor of MJF giving him that this past Wednesday night on AEW. I kind of trying to think of a word that really won't offend people. I think if you've seen a true death match, you consider that maybe death match light on AEW, whereas a lot of wrestling fans looked at that and said, that's unacceptable. That's too much blood. AEW has now crossed the line, and I don't want to see any more death matches. Well, I think two wrestlers who know what a, a death match actually is. Like I said, that was death match light, and they were like, "That's not really a death match," and you guys have no clue. And that's what one of my friends told me. Actually, did not know who he was. First time that I had seen him. Uh, one of my friends. I was on a trip. I was in the Ohio, Kentucky area. I don't even remember what city he ended up dragging me to. I want to say it was Louisville. It may have been Cincinnati. But one of my friends drugged me to a match. And I later found out that it was an independent match. And that it was going to be a death match. And it was going to have some guy named John Moxley in it. And that's the first time I ever saw John Moxley. I actually started following him and continued following him all through his WWE career. And as you know, I'm a big fan of his in AEW. And it is because of that first time I saw him. And it was the first death match that I've seen. I kind of stayed away from death matches for years afterwards. Beca not because I thought they were horrific or that they bothered me in some way. They really didn't. Why? Um, Probably because you kind of know what you're signing up for. And unless they do something... That is extraordinary or completely different. Then you kind of know what's coming. It's just how are they going to do it and what are they going to use. So they don't bother me. And that's why everybody says I don't want to watch GCW because of the death matches. On their regular shows... They usually have one 
maybe two. This, however, ended up being a true death match. Uh, Drew Parker is absolutely crazy. I love it. I can't wait to see more of him. I will probably be searching for him on Japan TV as he goes back over there to defend his title. I think Alex Cologne, I thought he was already nuts. Um, so, what you have to picture when this match started is there are two sides of the ring that are covered in light tubes that are stuck between the robes. One side of the ring has a shower door. And the side that is closest to you on the camera side, I couldn't really see what exactly that was. They go after each other and they end up outside the ring. I don't know who handed it to him. I don't know whether he had a friend or he had maybe a box or a bag or something. Drew Parker, however, I at first I thought they were syringes, but they weren't. Uh, they were darts, like you would play in the game of darts. And he took the first one and he actually threw it, and it landed in Cologne's back, where he was going to pull it out, pulled it sideways, scraped him, opened Cologne's back up but then started stabbing him in the back with darts. And that's when I knew, oh, Drew Parker, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, he took over the match. And I really wasn't expecting that. Because like I said, I didn't know who he was. He hit a cutter through the shire door and then as cologne was stumbling he backed up and hit a powerful shotgun um drop kick and threw cologne into a pack basically of the tubes um they had what had been made and they called a log cabin of light tubes. It was log, um, or it was light tubes that were stacked in a square in the way a, um, a log cabin is made. And again, Drew Parker hit Cologne with a DDT into those light tubes. This is what I mean by it being a true death match. You have uh, panes of glass, which you saw Nick Gage set up for Chris Jericho, but there were no doors. There were no doors with barbed wire. There were no... Um, shower doors of made of glass. There were, 
you guys have seen it gauge get out of pocket of, of light tubes and some regular light tubes. But this match went on, I would say, 15, 20 minutes. And they used anything and everything. Cologne did his comeback. He threw Drew Parker through panes of glass. Um, he ended up... Uh, Drew Parker threw Alex Cologne into glass that had barbed wire glued to it. And they had to cut them out. People actually got in and took little wire cutters and cut them out so that they could get out and move around. Cologne was bleeding profusely, and it just wasn't from the head. A lot of uh, death matches or death match light uh, matches, like I keep bringing up the Chris Jericho, Nick Gage, because so many of you watched it. You saw Jericho bleeding from the head. Well, that is one of the places that they want to get bleeding because anytime you have a cut on your head, it bleeds profusely. The cut that Jericho got on his arm at the beginning, I believe, was a blade cut, and it was very superficial. You didn't see a lot of Jericho's back tore up. You didn't see his chest tore up. You didn't see parts of his leg tore up or anything like that. In this particular match, if you go back and watch it, you need to be prepared that's what you're going to see. After the darts were thrown into Cologne, his back was tore up by being thrown into glass, by thrown into light tubes. Uh, eventually, Drew Parker ended up putting Alex Cologne to sleep using a sleeper hold. He did not make him submit or not be able to respond using any glass weapons or chairs or tables or anything like that. He ended up just putting him to sleep and winning. So he won Alex Cologne's belt from GCW, which I hope means he will be coming back to GCW very, very soon. Then after that, again, so as not to overwhelm the crowd, that scramble match. And they brought out all six competitors one by one, playing their music, allowing them to interact with fans, but also allowing the fans to calm down some. I saw on Reddit and Twitter, people were getting hyped up because they hadn't seen a GCW show. They thought this scramble match was going to be a death match. Again, guys, GCW is known for bringing up wrestlers, for teaching them actual wrestling maneuvers and uh, techniques and all of that. It doesn't have to be a death match. So when you saw who was actually in this death match, 
or excuse me, the scramble match. The first person that they announced was Jordan Oliver, who I have told you guys I think is going to be unreal. Um, I hate that they call him Big Breakfast, but he has really impressed me over the last year and a half, two years. And he doesn't do death matches, or at least I've never seen him do one. They brought out Braden Lee, Dante Leon, Jack Cartwheel. These four are big time up and comers in the world of independent wrestling. I think Jordan Oliver and Dante Leon are kind of racing each other to see who can get signed by big promotion first. They're two different style of wrestlers. Dante Leon is a high flyer. He does different styles. Whereas Jordan Oliver used to be a high flyer. Still does some now. But since gaining 50 pounds and becoming a heavyweight. He's doing a lot more pyro moves. And he's working on one thing at a time. His last thing that he was working on. Which was back um, around... WrestleMania week was the Boston Crab and trying to get it perfection and how far down he should go on different heights and and things like that and you're seeing him grow. The last two I know Shane Mercer uh, I believe they call him the Iron Beast came out to give a veteran presence. My God, he looked like he was double out of all of them. He has a lot of knowledge more than the rest of them. And so I was a little nervous with that because I was afraid that Mercer was going to kind of steal the show. And then they announced the last competitor. And I thought immediately, oh no, this is going to be wild. Because it was 440H Atticus Coger, who is fastly becoming one of my favorites on GCW. And I know so many people are like, are you serious? Because his nickname is the Silvertooth Satan. And he is crazy. Um, Not only with his wrestling, his deathmatch wrestling. He has an issue of wearing cargo pants or a jacket that has a lot of pockets. That usually contain skewers. And grabbing them 8, 10 to 15 at a time and jamming them into people's heads. Whether it's towards the top of their head or it's their forehead. I've seen him jab some in their arms. And they're kind of fine as long as you leave them in there. They're usually green or red. There's some bright color that will catch the lights. 
And as long as you leave them there and you look stupid with these skewers stuck out of your head, you're pretty much okay. It's when you reach up there and jerk them out that blood starts pretty much gushing. And this scramble match as soon as it was started became total chaos. Uh, people going everywhere. It ended up with Koger and Shane Mercer, like I said, the Iron Beast, in the ring because they were the two that uh, didn't really fit in. And they ended up being in the ring together and Koger immediately reached into his pockets and stabbed Shane Mercer with his skewers and um, in the top upper top of his forehead. Mercer, because Coger didn't pull him out, he didn't pull him out. He didn't pay any attention to him. He just immediately picked up Coger and slammed him, put him down, tried for the pin, and this went back and forth. Jordan Oliver got in the ring, and of course, as he hit Shane Mercer, a couple of the skewers fell out. And Mercer then just reached up and jerked him out. So he had blood running down his forehead and his face. Each of the six performed their main maneuvers, their golden oilies, whatever you want to say. And we're in the process of taking each other out. We're fighting outside the ring. Um, Jordan Oliver ended up hitting... A shot on Shane Mercer. Coger slid into the ring and threw Oliver out and ended up stealing the pin. So Atticus Coger ended up winning the match. However, the other five opponents uh, were not real excited and happy. Then, um, I missed the GCW pay-per-view right before this one. I have it, I just haven't sat down and watched it. Plan on doing that either late, late tonight or first thing tomorrow. But they filled me in telling me that Jimmy Lloyd, the one that's called A Different Boy, different kind of boy um had partnered up with his longtime rival g raver and that they had won the gcw tag team belts which i found really weird obviously i think the commentators were as uncomfortable and weirded out by it as i was because G. Raver and Jimmy Lloyd have been known to go after each other, have been known to do death matches against each other. They pretty much hate each other. And for their first title defense, they're taking on the second gear crew. And the two that came out for the second gear crew to take them on were where it was uh, Mance Warner 
and Matthew Justice. Two hardcore uh, wrestlers. I wouldn't say deathmatch wrestlers, although I have seen them in deathmatches. But, I don't know, just feel like they are more hardcore, I guess. I don't know. Um, Mance Warner, I suspected when he was in Ring of Honor, probably three years ago, four years ago, there were a lot of times then he appeared to be drinking. I kind of thought it was an act, but towards the end, I thought, no, I think he's really drinking. They make no bones about it at GCW that he's probably drinking. He, um, because they several times said that maybe he's just had a little too much to drink. Um, this ended up being a crazy match. Match, uh, Mance Warner ended up doing the stunt that he did at GCW in Laramie, Wyoming, where he picks up a chair, gives it to a fan, and he ran G. Raver into it. They were beating on G. Raver. Um, Jimmy Lloyd ended up stopping them by coming off a ring post. He busted uh, Mance Warner open. And there was a door that got brought in. There were a couple chairs. I want to say a table was also set up. But what I found amusing, and am kind of glad that they showed it, that they were okay with it. Jimmy Havoc, who I don't know if a lot of you remember him from AEW, used to always use a staple gun. And the first time he appeared on AEW was in a battle royal where he stapled a cigarette that he was smoking to Joey Janela's forehead. Well, when I saw Jimmy Lloyd get out the stapler, I thought, oh, uh-uh, this, this could be kind of interesting. Um, he ended up taking Matthew Justice's hand, trying to staple it to the floor, of the mat. And then G. Raver hit Mance Warner with a wooden door and Mance was laying on it. G. Raver got on top of him, putting his knee in the back of his neck and Jimmy Lloyd opened his mouth. They stapled Mance Warner's tongue to the door um, and you could actually see Jimmy Lloyd when he did this. So, I mean, you actually got to see the staple go in. And I know a lot of people ended up turning their heads, but I do want to let everybody know, they did show it. 
it actually did happen. They went back to Matthew Justice because he somehow had gotten his hand off the ring mat. And behind them, you see Mance Warner picking up the door. He actually hit Jimmy Lloyd with the door while his tongue was stapled to the door. However, to solve this problem for him, G. Raver decided to pick up Matthew Justice and slam him into the door so that as the door fell to the mat with all of Matthew Justice's weight, it ripped the staple out of the door and Mance Warner's tongue with it. Um, it was a kind of cool spot. I hate to say it because I know some of you are cringing, but I did. I felt like it was a really cool spot that I had never seen done. Uh, it was interesting. Matthew Justice and Mance Warner after that seemed to find a lot of energy, especially from the crowd. And they ended up winning. G. Raver and Jimmy Lloyd, of course, of course, let their past issues get in the way, come back and bite them in the butt, and they were fighting, and that's how they got pinned. Supposed to be next up was the main event. And like I said, that wasn't a death match. That was more of a hardcore type match. And the crowd, the anticipation was building. You could feel the tension. And I think someone just made a call. We probably need to lighten this up some way. So the announcers made a big deal about it that they had added a match. And they did. Um, Effie come out. Of course, this music is Tiny Dancer that the whole entire crowd gets into. They sing. They sway. Effie goes wild. He came out with Alley Catch, um, who formerly was known as Alley Cat. And he, they took on the front man, Jaw who is a pretty young up-and-comer, again, has pumping up music. This was a cakewalk match for Effie. He did a lot of his typical stuff, maneuvers, talking to the crowd, posing for the crowd, and things like that. But I bet this match wasn't two and a half minutes, three minutes long. Because I almost was like, what's the point? But you saw the crowd kind of chill. They were cheering easier. Um, they were reacting to Effie's poses and the things he was saying. They were still pumped, but they were pumped in a completely different way. And so I really thought the booking on this, how they lined up the matches... 
to keep the crowd always on a simmer. Now, whether it was a fast simmer or slow simmer, they used the matches to do that. And when it would come close to a boil, like after the AJ Gray match, after the Drew Parker, Alex Cologne match, after you saw Jimmy Lloyd and G. Raver staple things to the mat and to a door, they would always lower the temperature so that it didn't boil over. Because deep down, everyone, and I do mean everyone knew, the main event that night was going to boil over. And they weren't 100% sure what exactly was going to happen. And I'm going to talk to you in detail about how I felt about it what I thought at the moment, what I think now, and the reasons behind it. Not really going into the match, but everything around it, outside of it, and afterwards that were happening on the next episode. We are going to do and talk GCW's Part 1 Homecoming, night one, main event, Nick Gage versus Matt Cardona for the GCW Championship title. I look forward to talking to you guys about this because so much has been said. Dave Metzler came out with a hard take and we're going to explore all of that in its own episode before we even go to GCW Homecoming Part 2 that happened Sunday, July 21st, or excuse me, July 25th, at 5 p.m., which really confused a lot of uh, fans. But anyway, I wanted to give you a chance to hear about the matches before the main event that I think took a back seat that they shouldn't have because there were some great matches in there. And there's matches you probably do need to go back and find and watch because of how interesting they were, what good wrestling was in there. And then, like I said, Drew Parker... And Alex Cologne, honestly, that may have been one of the best death matches I have ever seen. Their inventiveness, what they did. Uh, I'm still thinking about those darts. Anyway, I'm going to talk to you guys really soon. And hopefully somewhere, I'll see you down the road. Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, 
golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay.